Whether you're an entrepreneur, event planner, political organizer, video producer, cattle farmer, fashion designer, architect, real estate agent, or magazine editor, Airtable can help you create your way. Learn more and get a special offer for the Founders Project listeners at Airtable.com slash Founders Project. The most powerful businesses are built when it addresses a need that you feel yourself as a consumer. Because I think that often serves as the basis of an unlock, but also it's, it means that you have such passion and identification with the consumer that you can like constantly push and drive and evolve the concept forward. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel, former founder and CEO of LearnBest and the current founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital. This is The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. So what's The Founders Project? This is a podcast where we interview the country's absolute best entrepreneurs and most innovative founders and ask them what makes them tick, how they thought about their company and their innovation, and really get under the hood and understand what makes some of the best innovators in the country work. This week, meet Jenny Fleiss. Jenny is the founder and CEO of Jet Black, a members-only personal shopping and concierge service. Additionally, Jenny is one of my dear friends. I've known her for a while. Our kids go to school together. And she is a phenomenal entrepreneur and founder that I'm thrilled to have today. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, So, Jenny, we're going to dive right in. Um, As founders, we so often have the elevator pitch of our company, but I'd love to take a moment and get your personal story of what drives you. If I was going to get the elevator pitch on who is Jenny, what would it be? I love this question, first of all. It's fantastic. Self-declared creature of convenience, trying to have everything within like a three-block radius of my world. Um, Love running, working out, achieving things, getting things done, um, and I'm a mom of three kids. By the way, I know Jenny really well, and that is exactly who <laughs> you are. You are such a person who has, you love to achieve things, you love to get things done, and you really do love fitness. And creative problem solving, too, like the fastest way to get something done. It's like that merge of getting it done really fast. I love it. I love it so much. Okay, so Jenny, it's a Sunday, and you are actually super excited about the week ahead, your work, whatever is going on. So it's Sunday night. There's no Sunday scaries. What's happening in the week that makes you excited? What would it be? Diversity of activities. Lots of different types of things packed on my schedule. Busy schedule. I love running from one thing to the next, but I drive a lot of energy when it's a mixture of sometimes an investment meeting where I'm investing in a company. Sometimes I'm advising a business. Sometimes I'm working on Jet Black and having one-on-ones with my direct reports pitching up to our board and having a board meeting, maybe then a Rent the Runway board meeting the next day, sitting on a panel, doing a speaking event. I think we're in a moment where careers are so multifaceted and it can make for such richer networks and just day-to-day work. I love it. So um, step back. It's Sunday night. It's 9 p.m. and you're looking at your week. What are the moments, and especially now you've had such success under your belt, what are the moments where you realize that you're like, It is X that makes you really proud, that, like, feeds that deeper energy. Um, I once learned about this thing. So there's IQ, which we all know what that is, Mm -hmm. EQ, which is your emotional quotient, and then there's MQ, which is your meaning quotient, which actually is the thing that, like, fills all of the cups to help you keep doing your job. Um, And I've been thinking a lot about what's my own MQ, what kind of makes things meaningful for me, Mm -hmm. again, such that you enter that third gear. What would, like, a moment of MQ be for you where – you're you're so happy in your job. Is it people related? Is it customer related? Is what is it? Um, wow, a good question. And it's honestly it's hard to pick one thing. Uh, a couple things that come to mind though. It's really rare to take moments in a startup 
to take a step back and think about the full picture of what you've done and to just take a deep breath and, and kind of reflect of the achievements that you've had. And so often when I speak on panels or speak to groups, that forces me to do that, right? It takes stock of, of where I am and what is that bigger picture. So those are always fantastic moments. But, you know, I think if I'm, I'm thinking of the most meaningful moments and where I feel really like in my groove and, and really proud of myself, honestly, is when I'm helping advise another entrepreneur, especially a female entrepreneur. Um, I have, have two fantastic women, as an example, who've worked with me at Jet Black for the last couple of years and they're both leaving to start their own businesses and so on the one hand I'm really I'm really sad to lose them but I'm so excited about what they're doing and when I sit down with them I feel like I can be really helpful and it also feels like this way to pay it forward because so many people have been helpful to me in my career starting Rent the Runway starting Jet Black um, so, so that I think drives me the most and make things really click um, I love customer interactions like I can't forget about that I think getting to hear customers talk about your product and just getting in their head what do you like what do you not like I probably both to you a ton of times every time you talk about Jet Black, Rent the Rent. It's like, well, tell me, what are the good? What's the bad? And, and just getting in the head to make everything better. Um, I'm like smiling and beaming while Jenny's saying all of this because obviously as the founder of Inspired Capital, which is all about builders and entrepreneurs helping pay forward to the next generation of builders and entrepreneurs. Uh, you, we, we are the same creature, so that's really wonderful. <laughs> I, I totally know it's how you best. feel. Um, also, I, I want to meet those two founders. Um, okay, so let's shift. Um, you've had just massive success with Rent the Runway, which really is revolutionizing how people shop and think about their closets. And I, as a personal finance expert, love it because you're letting people spend less money, right? You can yep. actually not have to buy everything. And um, as somebody who's had you know children uh you don't need to buy maternity clothes because you can borrow them Completely. Um, smart and, consumption um and now um as you transition into jet black walk through the aha moment and also explain that you know i live for jet black um so for people who are listening who don't know about jet black tell everybody what it is and then walk through the aha moment when you were like wow this service needs to exist yeah so Jet Black is personal shopping over text message and voice. You can shop for anything from laundry detergent to a birthday gift all the way to a designer handbag. Um, at some point, we will launch grocery and alcohol, but those are the only missing categories. And the idea is just this mind-dumping behavior where you're constantly making to-do lists of all the items you need to purchase. And if you can offload it on text message to someone who can get it done for you, it's really powerful. Uh, and I think the aha moment for me that made me realize that I needed it in my life and, and therefore started talking to other consumers about it was I'm a busy mom. I have three kids. I work. I, you know, advise, invest. I'm constantly running from one thing to the next. And I had this mental to-do list of all the items I needed to purchase. And then at the end of the night, I would have to then go purchase them, right? And so it was just taking extra time and it was all this this clutter. Um, and I would start texting myself during the day, actually, things that I needed to do or to buy because it was just the fastest way to put it on a to-do list. And then at the end of the night, I would go take stock of that and I would go to like 10 different websites to place my orders and enter my payment details. And so it wasn't this like, it was still had friction, um, but it started to unlock this idea that like mental dumping of your to-do list over text message was super efficient and convenient. And would that be interesting to other busy consumers? 
the answer is like a complete <laughs> yes. And I love it because you are such an achiever and you have your to-do list. Um, and the fact that you basically created a an engine to take other people's to-do list and then just go do it for them and it shows up at your front door. And you probably relate to this too. The most powerful businesses are about when it addresses a need that you feel yourself as a consumer. Because I think that often serves as the basis of an unlock, but also it's it means that you have such passion and identification with the consumer that you can like constantly push and drive and evolve the concept forward. 100%. At LearnVest, we always joked, I was client number one. I literally built a service that I wish existed for me, and it became financial planning software oh. for America. So again, couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I love that the aha moment was just you being a busy mom with three kids, working your you know, your know your tush off and figuring out what to build next. Um, so JetBlock is built through an incubation arm of Walmart. Yep. Obviously, I know this well. I sold LearnVest to Northwestern Mutual and was inside as their chief digital and then chief innovation officer. Um, walk us through, so Walmart obviously being one of the most massive retail players that's out there, how does that work? Give everybody the overview. I mean, you're, uh, call it an entrepreneur in residence, if you will, mm-hmm. um, inside one of the most iconic companies uh, in our country. So talk us through that. Sure. Well, one of the big reasons I was excited to come and start Jet Black was because it is wholly owned and funded by Walmart. We're actually the first business within the tech incubator called Store Number 8. And so for me, it was not just the opportunity to go start this really cool business that redefines e-commerce and was touching a pain point that I really saw myself as a consumer, but it was also like, how do you create a template for innovation in the Fortune 1 business, right? And I think many large companies struggle with, like, how do you innovate from within? What is the right strategy? Structure. I have lots of conversations with other large companies who are trying to work on this and do it. And it, it still hasn't been cracked yet. Like, I think everyone is still searching for that magic solution and formula. Um, Jet Black is like the guinea pig in, in this for Walmart, right? Like, we're learning as we go, um, but I think that's the best way to do it. So we're constantly seeing what is painful, what is worth fighting for versus the norms and the typical ways that Walmart's used to doing things. But I think net-net for me as an entrepreneur and how I think of leveraging my skill set, I'm able to make the most impact because if I can actually you know, both create innovation that can drive massive change for such a large company, that's powerful. But if I can also create this vehicle where new businesses and new ideas can circulate throughout this organization, like that's the future of, of Walmart. And um, I think it starts with making sure that it's a company that is ready for and excited about innovation and like is really committed to leaning in. And the Walmart has a CEO and a leader right now who is definitely on board with that. The board is excited about that. Uh, you can see, you know, some of the re- recent acquisitions that they've done um, are, are one indication. Uh, the funny thing about it is I thought, you know, that you don't really have to fundraise. I was like, oh, normally you're starting a business and about half of your time is fundraising. Turns out you're kind of internally fundraising. hundred <laughs> percent. And internally like campaigning and positioning all the time. So that's been an interesting, it's like this always be selling gene just doesn't go away. ABS. In entrepreneurship. Always ABS. Be selling. Yep. Always be selling. <laughs> um, one of the things that that really implies, and I think what makes you such a versatile and successful entrepreneur is not only you're the entrepreneur who can go off the napkin and go build something like Rent the Runway where you raise money and, and, and you know went through multiple rounds of funding. But then additionally to be able to be an entrepreneur inside a big company, mm-hmm. inside um, you know, a multi-billion dollar platform, and to be able to go implies a certain amount of flexibility um, that clearly, to your point, you're like, we're always testing, we're always, you know, we're, we're juggling, yeah. we're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what culturally works. What, um, just give me a sense of like, has that always been your personality? Have you always been like that? 
Um, I think flexibility is incredibly important for entrepreneurs. It's something that I really look for when I'm hiring out a team. Yep. But I think there's different types of flexibility. Um, so if you ask my husband if I'm a flexible person, he would probably say no, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I think like I often have a way that I, I want to do something and like to do it that way. And I, I, I know myself at this point. And so um, I think from a personal perspective, I'm less flexible. I you know only go to certain restaurants. I want to do like the workout that I want to do in the morning. I like my coffee a certain way. Um, um, but from a work context, I think I'm incredibly flexible. Like, it, what what gives me joy at work is just if I can drive maximum impact in a given day. Um, especially having children, every moment that you are not with them and you're away from them, it's a higher premium, right? Yep. So I look at every day as like, did I, you know, did the tally and the balance sheet add up to as much as I could possibly put out there? And that sense of achievement and success drives me. Um, but I do think that requires flexibility because you constantly learn of ways to use your time better or something they made an impact or not. Um, but the biggest thing, and, and I have to remind myself this, is like you need to just keep looking forward. Um, and I think flexibility at its best is just you're constantly looking forward. What can I do better next? Everything else is like a sunk cost. How can I just tweak to optimize the next foot, the next step, the next step? And I think that's what leads to successful entrepreneurship. It's so amazing. Um, and I'm like laughing and I'm making a mental note for myself right now, which is um, in my personal life, uh, to your point, it's like I have my workout class. I like I have my coffee. I like certain types of foods. I'm just trying to, I, yeah. And well, it's also more of I just want to take the decision out of the equation mm. as much as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Almost such that in my work life, you know, I can handle the ebbs and flows, the vast kind of flexibility that's required. Um, but it's so interesting because, as you said, that I was laughing because there, I, I think there's something, there's something psychological to that clearly, which is that you can handle a lot of volatility at work as long as there's probably not craziness at home. I think that's uh, right. Yeah, I think that's right. Much in the same way that, you know, my weekends, I really try to schedule as little as possible because my weeks are so scheduled and it drives me bonkers and gives me crazy stress to know that there's like too many things, things going, going on, on the, the weekends. Weekend. It's about finding the balance in many ways. And with that, we'll be right back after this. In the 1940s, a mother of two in Connecticut was fed up with cleaning dirty diapers. Marion Donovan went on to sell Waterproof Diaper Company for today's equivalent of $9.5 million. This creative breakthrough was brought to you by Airtable. Learn more and get a special offer for Founders Project listeners at Airtable.com slash Founders Project. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Alexa Von Tobel, your host. Okay, Jenny, uh, you are one of the very rare founders who not only started one company, uh, Rent the Runway, which is, again, incredibly successful and has a big, big, bright future. You're still on the board. But you went back and decided to also start another company. I'm not crazy. Um, inside <laughs> a massive, massive company uh, like Walmart, um, which is a special sort of crazy. So what we want to hear about is Talk to us a little bit about that. There, mm-hmm. There's something. There's a third gear. There's a fifth gear that you shift into. Um, and what we want to know is talk to us about that special form of crazy. What are some of the weird habits that you have? What allows you to do that? What is it? Just tell us. Yeah. And it can be anything. But we want to know what is what is that kernel of Jenny that allows you to be just that nuts? So my whole life I've had this gene of I'll call it creative problem solving, where I just find it so fun and interesting to like 
think of an invention or a solution to a problem. And it may be a super silly problem in someone's life, or it may be something that's actually very critical. Um, And this has been true as long as I can remember, right? So I was the eight-year-old who was having lemonade stands. But beyond having a lemonade stand, it was like, how do I, you know, tweak each piece of it to optimize it or to make it better? Or can I solve other problems that customers are facing because they don't just want lemonade, they wanted other things when they're on their, you know, on their bike ride, or maybe they can't stop as their way. I can have like a grab and go cup of lemonade for them on their bike and whatnot. Um, so I, I, I generate such energy and joy from thinking about ways to improve a consumer's day to day, honestly, and from that connectivity to a consumer. My college roommates, I, you know, always joke that I was doing like duct taping a heel onto a boot if it broke. Like I'll be just thinking of ways to problem solve. Um, and from that, I think Jen, my co-founder, Rent the Runway, knew that about me. She knew that I was really wired as a serial entrepreneur. So we openly talked about the fact that at some point I would likely go back into the trenches. Um, and at Rent the Runway, it meant doing business development for a while and thinking of how do we evolve that business. And so we actually evolved Rent the Runway from an on-demand dress rental business to a subscription service where now you can rent anything from jeans to a scarf to a handbag, of course, still dresses. And it's really served now as a substitute to just your everyday and unlocked other use cases like maternity wear or ski gear or sending something to a travel destination and flopping out your clothing when you're there. So I was able to use um, kind of that entrepreneurial part of me within Rent the Runway. And I think that that same drive and feeling made me really intrigued to go and do this as part of Walmart. Um, And the impact that I knew I could have on this huge organization and then just challenging myself to do it in the different construct of a large company like this uh, was very exciting to me. I also am co-founders with Mark Laurie of this business, and he is the CEO of US e-commerce for Walmart. He's been a long-term mentor for me, and I'd really wanted a chance to work with him and do something with him. So really quickly, is there like a weird habit that you have? Like, and I'll give you an example of what I mean. So like, I often will wake up at 3.30 in the morning and just do these power sessions. They're super weird. I'll do like three hours of work. Anyone who works with me knows about them. You'll get like 100 emails. I have those moments. And texts. And it's it's weird. It happens sometimes once a week. Yeah. Sometimes it happens two or three times in a week if there's something. Yep. And it's this burst of creativity that I have where I just get a lot done. What is your version of that? Is it driving? Is it being in the shower? Is it like what? What? There's something that allows you to have those big bursts of getting things done. What's yours? Yeah. Well, I do have some evenings, like you'll say, where I you know wake up and I've got something in my mind and I just need to like jam on it for a few hours. Um, and I'm usually like eating bowls of cereal while I'm doing it and like creative juices are flowing. Um, but I, overall, I've got to say the very consistent thing is running. I've always been a runner. Um, I usually use it to start my day. And I do it in a few different contexts. Sometimes it's as a way to catch up with my husband and we'll go on like a running date together. But we also sometimes talk about like big career decisions or things going on at work and in my mind or ideas that I might have of how to problem solve a consumer problem I'm facing. Um, sometimes I'll do it with a friend. I've bugged you at times to go for a run. Um, she's a much a better, walk. she's a much faster <laughs> runner than I am. So it's more fun for her. And those can be big unlocks. You know, I think my main thing is I, I'm I'm so oriented towards cramming my schedule that finding times to like force yourself away from a phone device, a computer, and to just be out there either on a run by yourself or with someone who's stimulating kind of out of the box thinking. Sometimes it's, you know, helping someone problem solve for them that leads to unlock or just kind of the the mindset that lets you then be creative and innovative for what you need to have done. Um, so yeah, I've got to say, and then like the endorphin kick that I find 
from working out and running is like nothing else, especially if you, can, if you do it outside and you've got the fresh air. I love that. That's amazing. Um, and you're inspiring me that post this baby, I'll get back into running. Um, I so, will bug you. To so go. we're in. We're in. So, okay. I want to now shift into jet black because one thing that you just keep coming back to is your creativity and your passion around making customers really happy. So as you were launching Jet Black, you decided to start with the invite-only model. Why? What was that? And one, I was thrilled to get to be an early invitee. Um, but t- talk to us about, like, what was the decision there? How did you think about that? You're still just beginning to let people into this now massive, massive experience. Talk to us. Yeah. So one thing that was an interesting learning from Rent the Runway that I, I took forward into Jet Black was making the service invite only to start. Um, and it is interesting going about entrepreneurship the second time because you realize how much you learned, um, whereas the first time around you're just one foot in front of the next, right? And so now I have a real appreciation of like, wow, I, I learned a, a ton and I get to apply all of those learnings, which is great. Um, you know, at Rent the Runway, we initially were invite only because we wanted it to feel like a super luxury premium experience. Um, and we somewhat modeled off of the way Guilt Group had done that, um, which was one of the first at its time taking what was a cost-conscious shopping behavior and making it premium and cool by virtue of this invite-only membership model. Um, I think it also had other unlocks of building community and building the sense of exclusivity and access to this, something that was really special and aspirational. But at the end of the day, the biggest plus of it was that it let us really control the customer experience because we could only plan for having so much inventory at Rent the Runway, right? So we bought a certain amount of inventory based on the capital we raised. And if we let too many customers in, they'd wind up with a bad experience because we just didn't have enough inventory to service them and you'd go to pages and see things stocked out. So we had this great lever by virtue of this wait list and invite only to to manage the, the supply and demand side of the equation. And I think similarly at Jet Black, you know, we got up and running super quickly about a month after I joined Walmart. I just started testing out the concept with people probably like you really early days, right? And I just wanted to learn. Like that's one of my entrepreneurial theories is like get something out there to the customer, make it super loose and just learn off of it. But I think that also means that you're still tweaking and evolving and you need to leave room for this to be like a tight community where there's a strong feedback loop and then where you're also controlling the supply and the demand side of the equation. So right now, Jet Black, as we evolve, it's a mix of leveraging agents, member service agents, as well as technology to offer you this personal assistant, essentially. And as the technology evolves, it will be more and more scalable. But to start with, we need to be very measured with the amount of customers that we can service while retaining a super elevated premium, delightful customer experience. Um, So one of the things that you said, the inspiration for you to start Jet Black came from the fact that you're somehow a superhero mom of three working full time and who still exercises, which is, again, you know, pretty powerful. Um, So one of the things that, um, again, you pay such close attention to your customers. What I want to know is what are the total use cases that came out of the Jet Black service that you were like, I thought you were kind of surprised by. You were like, wow, I never thought they would use it for this. Yeah. What were those? Well, one of my favorite things about shopping over text and voice is it's a completely open field, which means that customers truly can come up with new ways to use the service and ask you for anything. It makes it really hard to build scalable technology around these interactions, but it also lets you really unlock kind of creativity from your consumer to see how do I optimize efficiency for them, and then maybe you can serve that up to other consumers and give them ideas. So so one fun example is consumers often use us for gifts for um, children's birthday parties, but really for lots of occasions. And we had a consumer who screenshotted paperless posts invites 
and started just sending those instead of going through our typical gifting flow. And our normally would be like, how old is the child? You know, boy, girl, do, what theme do they like? When is the event? And in one screenshot of this paperless post, you get all that information, right? You even have the address. We can offer to send it directly to the, the event or the party. You have some theme. Maybe there's dinosaurs on the invite. You know the kid's name. So just these like learnings from your customers of how you can drive efficiency even further is really powerful. Um, it also shows you how something like text and use of an image can be more efficient than voice. So we started out with some assumptions of like, you know, voice is the future and voice technology will be more and more powerful. And I think it shows you how important it is to test things with consumers to see, you know what, sometimes voice may be faster, but there are instances where text is going to win. There are instances where physical retail wins. There are instances when e-commerce wins or when an app wins. And I think ultimately it is about the kind of omni-channel usage of how do all these pieces fit together. I'm li- I'm just sitting here loving that because my daughter <laughs> is having her that. birthday party and I'm like you're absolutely right you just take a photo and all of a sudden you now know everything the age of the child if there's certain colors they like because it's probably likely to be in the imitation totally um, wow that is so interesting um, okay so really quickly um, for people out there scaling their businesses and of all shapes and sizes how do you action that customer feedback because what does the team at Jeff Black do to actually take that like learning of some kind and actually operationalize it? Mm-hmm. Give us a sense of what that looks like. How big is Jet Black today? Yeah, so um, we're growing very quickly at Jet Black. We have um, you know over 200 employees at our corporate headquarters. Um, just to give you a sense, in the last, you know in 18 months, we just built a really big team. We, in terms of digesting customer feedback, so I think first it comes with creating a regular cadence and habit of customer feedback sessions. So we do weekly breakfast. We invite rotating groups of customers in. I think it also comes from hugging your customers really close, asking them proactively for feedback. I know I'm always bugging you for feedback. Um, Another great thing is making sure your own employees are your customers. We've made many, many employees at Jet Black customers. This was the same at Rent the Runway. And so day to day, you're living it. You're seeing pain points that you come up with. Um, And then we've created like a feedback channel and a feedback loop where you're always responsible for logging what could have been better, every single interaction, how could you have evolved it. Um, and then I actively like this is one of the areas that I dig deep on and I, you know, I pulse on, I, I go to the breakfast, I read the, that feedback and you evolve it into policies that you want to evolve or change. Um, and sometimes you hear a theme come up enough, you know, you've got to make sure you shut a lot, you, you take the noise out. But like a theme coming up enough, you need to pay attention to it. So there was a, a situation recently where we turned on a piece of technology and it made our shipping dates um, estimated longer than they actually were. And initially, we were like, oh, no, nothing changed in the policies. But I heard it from enough consumers, and I felt it myself, that I was like the annoying squeaky wheel, right? Like, I just kept hammering on it. And we dug in, and we run, like, a lot of data analysis. And it turns out, like, there was a shift and a change. And so then you course correct. So I think it's a mix of, you know, you got you got to create the feedback loop with the customer. You've got to translate it into, like, actionable policies or tests. Sometimes it's about, you know, A-B testing. Um, and then, like, there's an element of just, like, being that squeaky wheel, even if it feels maybe a qualitative, hey, I've seen this as a customer and data doesn't necessarily substantiate, like dig in, there's probably something there. That's so interesting. I used to do that all the time. Um, and it would be very small things that would bug me. And I would literally go all the way down to like the bottom, yep. uh, you know, of uh, whatever the supply chain of what we were building was and just say something's wrong and I need to see it. Yep. Um, okay. So as you are literally 
innovating on an entirely new shopping experience. Um, for those of you who have not used Jet Black, you literally can text a photo and like within 24 hours it shows up at your door. You can try it on. If you don't want it, you leave it downstairs. If you have a doorman, obviously in big cities, it just goes away. I mean, it's incredible. And for people who have very little time, um, it gives you lots of time back, which I'm always into. Um, you're innovating and you're at the edge of innovating on retail. Um, so as a result, your team is everything. People are everything. Mm -hmm. Give us your philosophy on hiring. How did you build those first hires? Or like, okay. what is your playbook at this point on staffing, on hiring, on finding talent? What are the quick rules that you live by? And tell me all your gems because I know you have some of them. I, well, first of all, I think to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to have a huge passion for hiring, for recruiting. And recruiting is is one of my favorite things. I think, you know, every time you do it, you get a chance to take stock of the progress you've made in the business, to sell the vision of your, your company. So it, it's really an exciting thing that I truly love. And then you connect with other people. And even if the hire doesn't work out for one reason, you broaden your network and, that, and that's a great opportunity to latch on to. So I think, you know, Having a passion for it is where a lot of greatness starts. I'll put that there. Um, I can often tell within the first five to 10 minutes if someone's going to click with my personality and the culture that we're building. So I think having uh, ideally a face-to-face -face interaction and meeting is, is really powerful. Uh, there's a couple questions that I like to ask. Um, one question Jen and I always asked was, on a scale of 1 to 10, how lucky you are? And we always thought about this as if you say that you're a 9 or a 10, then your perspective on life is really positive and optimistic. Because in reality, like, what is luck? It's really like the way you look at it, the way you look at things, right? You know, probably everyone has had on average the same amount of luck or, you know, not luck. But what is that spin and that positive optimism that you can put on something? Um, in entrepreneurship, that's really important because there's a lot of ups and downs and you got to turn the lemons into lemonade, especially for leadership roles, especially like for the sake of your team. Um, it often leads into this flexibility trait as well of people who are able to see themselves as more lucky, were able to take kind of situations and, and flex them and, and turn and pivot things around to to make the most of them. Um, and the other question I ask is, I'm just like, tell me three words that describe yourself. And I'm like, there's no wrong right answers. But I think that gets into the heart of just like, if you had to limit it to three and be really concise, what are those? I love the luck one um, so much. That is, uh, I've never heard it. And actually, that to your point, it gives you a really good mirror into are you going to be somebody who, when things get really hard, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, Yep, which is a favorite motto in our household. So I love that. Again, as a founder, we have to make genuinely hard decisions, yep. not like fluffy hard decisions like, oh, maybe we can't afford to spend on something, but like brutally hard decisions where you wake up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. What's one that has just been probably one of the hardest things that you really had to wrestle with? I'm sure there are many, oh, unfortunately. But what is one that really did wake you up in the middle of the night and it was just something you struggled over and why? Yeah. So so one that comes to mind is when we were first starting Jet Black, um, you know, Mark and I had a lot of strategy and vision sessions around what was this concept? What would this concept be? And voice was intended to be like the main event. And we thought about, you know, do we need a device that is in people's homes and that people can like talk to and ask them for their detergent and gifts on this device? How would that work? And um, it really, I think, plagued me because it didn't 
fit with my usage as a consumer. And so I think going back to like if you have passion for the use case and the problem that you're solving and you are the end consumer, um, something that seems off in terms of how you are experiencing the service um, often leads to there's an insight there. There's something deeper. So um, so that plagued me and I scratched my head around like is voice the right answer right now or to what extent? And for an urban consumer, you're constantly on the go. You're with your phone. You're not really in your home with devices quite as much. Uh, technology with voice often isn't quite good enough to really make shopping experience seamless. And then visuals are really helpful shopping tools. Uh, and so I do think voice will be an increasing piece of jet black and in shopping behaviors for consumers in general. I just think sometimes you need to help bridge consumer behavior to get there. And we did this with Rent the Runway also, right? Like we started with fancy dress rentals, which was more of a familiar behavior. Maybe you borrowed a dress from a friend. Maybe you bought something and returned it to a department store even after you wore it. Um, and we eventually bridged into everyday rental. But I think you need to be aware when you're changing consumer behavior and you know working with these disruptive models of not just you know of, yes, here's the future vision, but how do you guide a customer behavior there. Um, and so I think it's those ones where like don't sit right with me as the end customer that often like plague me and get my mind rolling at night. I love that. I'm dying to ask you this question. As somebody who is on the front, like truly edge of consumer behavior for shopping, mm-hmm. if you fast forward 10 years, the world is your oyster. What do you think happens in 10 years to retail? Just if you were to pick your like very few kind of um, predictions about what happens for all of us shopping. Yeah. Give me one, two, three, whatever comes to the top of your mind. But like in 10 years, what does shopping look like for all of us across America? Yeah. Um, I think we will continue to innovate ways of driving more speed and efficiency. So if you look at the trajectory of time, consumers are always more time strapped and are always finding creative ways to be most efficient. And so physical retail um, is by definition the fastest way to get a product to a consumer. Um, And so I think you'll see more transitions into stores being used not only as a traditional store, but also as these like service centers of can I, you know, send out inventory from those locations? Can I return inventory to those locations? Um, Can I get something maybe fixed at that locations? Um, So almost this like are these stores, they're not just regular stores, but they're also like warehouses to some extent. Yep. Um, we've done this a lot with Rent the Runway. Um, and I think from there, you'll unlock just faster speed of delivery for products, same hours within 30 minutes. Uh, and there seems that that, that we've, we've touched on in, with Jet Black, where we're getting kind of a map of locally available inventory across all retailers. So when you text us and ask for um a really cool headband that you want, and maybe we look at what's locally available so that we know we can get it to you that same day or next day by tapping into those local retail physical centers. Um, And then I think Omnichannel will continue to evolve. So it's not just about, um, it's how do all these modalities work better and better together? How does the data across these platforms inform one another? How can they be seamless experiences? Uh, One example I love, and it's so commonplace, but everyone can relate to it is, Starbucks mobile app, right? Like, how much time have I saved now by being able to put my order from the local Starbucks in the phone? They've now moved the pickup center at the front of the store, so I just, like, grab it and go. And um, just the amount of minutes and hours they've saved in, you know, consumers' lives across the country, I think that's the sort of creativity that we'll continue to see across retail. I love that. I mean, you're right, which is faster, sooner, delivered to your house more cheaply with more flexibility. 
Um, it's like every 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 busy human uh, dream out there. I do think we need to be like, I think the thing amidst all the efficiency that we need to also be cautious of, though, and, and we work on this with Jet Black, is the delightful aspect of shopping because there's also an element where like shopping can be fun and enjoyable. And one thing we found in talking to customers is that to some extent the internet has really stripped shopping of joy. And it's made it made it a chore. It's like something that you want to tech off your to-do list. And it doesn't have to be that way. So it's also like what are these unlock, these wow moments where you can really like service and satisfy a consumer. Maybe you're getting them a better fit product than they could have ever found by themselves. Maybe you're prompting a question that you ask them over, you know, text or voice that helps them think about a consideration factor they might not have thought of when picking a product. You're, you're asking for a travel stroller. And I say, you know, does it need to fit in the overhead bin? of a compartment, right? Or does your child need to nap in the stroller? Which maybe you're a first-time mom and you don't even think through what I care about. I that. bought a stroller that did not recline it's and problem, spent three hundred dollars right? that I had to totally return, and it was just such a pain. And I just didn't even know to think about did it recline enough? It reclined, just not enough for a nap. So I think you know, like big picture, next generation of retail is like, can you get customers these delightful experiences back where they wind up with better products, where they feel like they were genuinely helped in the process and the experience, and they walk away with something that lets them just feel fantastic. What was your coolest pinch me moment at Jet Black? I've had um, now a couple of customers who I had not known who've come up to me, um, one at a party, one on a vacation, um, and knew who I was, were users of the service, and treated me like I was a celebrity because they were like, you've changed my life. Like, you've really transformed. You've given me time back. You've given me this, like, mental space to actually, like, be in the moment and enjoy something because uh, my to-do list is taking care of me. Um, it's taking care for me. One said, you know, can I introduce my, you, my husband? And so, you know, you get to talk about that. And um, so I just think I drive such joy from seeing impact you can have on a consumer's life with a product. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, speaking of that, um, outside of a jet black, um, what is one product or app, like one thing you're obsessed with right now in any category that you're eating, that you're using, something you purchased, an app you're obsessed with, one or two that you, th these are like your current go-tos that you're obsessed with? Yeah. So there's a new app called Store, S-T-O-R-R, -R, that I've become fascinated with. Um, you can create your own store for merchandising from hundreds of products. You can shop from other people's stores. Um, I, as a consumer, if I made a store, I can you know, essentially take an affiliate commission. I can choose to donate that or not. So I think as we think of these like ways of reinventing how people shop in these physical stores and um, how do you leverage social preferences? Like, how do I find, like, maybe your store, Alexa, I want to go in because I love your outfits and I love the products that you buy for your kids. And so that's what's in the store. And so it also becomes a way for me to get recommendations from my friends. Um, so so the, I'd say store, S-T-O-R-R, -R, is a good one to check out. I love that. Um, okay, last question. So um, you are somebody who loves to pay it forward to other entrepreneurs. Um, what is one company that you're either looking at, thinking about, that pays it forward, or something you've recently started advising, investing in? Um, maybe it's the two founders from Jet Black that already are launching something, but give me a sense of a, a company that we should all be on the lookout for. 
Yeah, so I do love constantly like in, investing in and discovering new businesses. I think female-founded businesses is um, certainly a passion point for me. Um, the two women who are, are working, who were working at Jet Black, they're still in I think quasi stealth mode. So cool. I, of course, I you, won't can't, you can't break the confidence. Break the confidence there. Um, there's a business called K Health that I really like. It's an app that lets you self-diagnose what's going on if you have you know a headache a stomach ache and it actually uses ai machine learning from millions of patient visits uh, to help diagnose and identify. So just in the way that like you'd go into a doctor's office and they'd ask you like 12 questions to like get you down the path of maybe what's wrong. It does that over a AI um, app version. So um, I would call that out. I also think that um, there's a business called PathSpot and a founder called named Christine Schindler who came out of the Rent the Runway Foundation's incubator. And she has a device that she's put in fast food locations to detect a few pathogens on your hand. And it's a scan and it's so it shows up green or red, um, you know, depending on a few pathogens. And so if I think of the signs in the bathroom that's like employees must wash hands, but it's like, did they or how do they know? And can you almost have this like social visibility and way to see if your hands are clean? Um, I want one in my home so that anyone who walks in needs to needs to scan. There's so much innovation happening in New York City, honestly. Um, it, it's really exciting for me. I've lived in the city my whole life. And to now see the diversity that's created because of entrepreneurship is quite powerful. It's so fun. It is incredible. Um, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody, check out jetblack.com to learn more and join us next week. Jenny, thank you so much. You are such a delight. We're thank so honored to me. have you. This is awesome. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like today's show, please rate and review wherever you get your best podcasts. 